chapters 1 through 25 of Sonnets of William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sam Stinson. Chapter 1 From fairest creatures we desire increase, that thereby beauty's rose might never die. But as the riper should by time decease, his tender air might bear his memory. But thou contracted to thine own bright eyes, feedest thy light's flame with self-substantial fuel, making a famine where abundance lies, thyself thy foe, to thy sweet self too cruel. Thou that art now the world's fresh ornament, and only herald to the gaudy spring. Within thine own bud buriest thy content, And tender churl makest waste in niggarding. Pity the world, or else this glutton be, To eat the world's due by the grave, and thee. End of chapter 1 Chapter 2 When forty winters shall besiege thy brow, And dig deep trenches in thy beauty's field, Thy youth's proud livery so gazed on now, will be a tattered weed of small worth held. Then being asked where all thy beauty lies, where all the treasure of thy lusty days, to say within thine own deep sunken eyes, were an all-eating shame and thriftless praise. How much more praise deserved thy beauty's use, if thou couldst answer, This fair child of mine shall sum my count, and make my old excuse, proving his beauty by succession thine. This were to be new made when thou art old, And see thy blood warm when thou feel'st it cold. End of chapter 2 Chapter 3 Look in thy glass, and tell the face thou viewest. Now is the time that face should form another, Whose fresh repair, if now thou not renewest, Thou dost beguile the world, unbless some mother, for where is she so fair whose unearned womb disdains the tillage of thy husbandry? Or who is he so fond will be the tomb of his self-love to stop posterity? Thou art thy mother's glass, and she in thee calls back the lovely April of her prime. So thou through windows of thine age shalt see, despite of wrinkles, this thy golden time. But if thou live remembered not to be, Die single, and thine image dies with thee. End of chapter 3 Chapter 4 Unthrifty loveliness, why dost thou spend Upon thyself thy beauty's legacy? Nature's bequest gives nothing but doth lend, And being frank she lends to those are free. Then beauteous Nigard, why dost thou abuse The bounteous largesse given thee to give? Profitless usurer, why dost thou use so great a sum of sums, yet canst not live? For having traffic with thyself alone, thou of thyself, thy sweet self, dost deceive. Then how, when nature calls thee to be gone, what acceptable audit canst thou leave? Thy unused beauty must be tombed with thee, which used lives the executor to be. End of chapter 4 Chapter 5 
those hours that with gentle work did frame the lovely gaze where every eye doth dwell will play the terence to the very same and that unfair which fairly doth excel for never resting time leads summer on to hideous winter and confounds him there sap checked with frost and lusty leaves quite gone beauty o'er snowed in bareness everywhere then were not summer's distillation left a liquid prisoner pent in walls of glass beauty's effect with beauty were bereft nor it nor no remembrance what it was but flowers distilled though they with winter meet least but their show their substance still lives sweet End of chapter five chapter six then let not winter's ragged hand deface in thee thy summer ere thou be distilled make sweet some vile treasure thou some place with beauty's treasure ere it be self-killed that use is not forbidden usury which happies those that pay the willing loan that's for thyself to breed another thee or ten times happier be it ten for one ten times thyself were happier than thou art if ten of thine ten times refigured thee then what could death do if thou shouldst depart leaving thee living in posterity be not self-willed for thou art much too fair to be death's conquest and make worms thine heir end of chapter six chapter seven lo in the orient when the gracious light lifts up his burning head each under eye doth homage to his new appearing sight serving with looks his sacred majesty and having climbed the steep up heavenly hill resembling strong youth in his middle age yet mortal looks adore his beauty still attending on his golden pilgrimage but when from highmost pitch with weary car like feeble age he reeleth from the day the eyes for duteous now converted are from his low tract and look another way so thou thyself outgoing in thy noon unlooked on diest unless thou get a son end of chapter seven chapter eight music to hear why hearest thou music sadly sweets with sweets war not joy delights in joy why lovest thou that which thou receivest not gladly or else receivest with pleasure thine annoy if the true concord of well-tuned sounds by unions married do offend thine ear they do but sweetly chide thee who confounds in singleness the parts that thou shouldest bear mark how one string sweet husband to another strikes each in each by mutual ordering resembling sire and child and happy mother who all in one one pleasing note do sing whose speechless song being many seeming one sings this to thee thou single wilt prove none end of chapter eight chapter nine is it for fear to wet a widow's eye that thou consumest thyself in single life ah if thou issueless shalt hap to die the world will wail thee like a makeless wife the world will be thy widow and still weep that thou no form of thee hast left behind when every private widow well may keep by children's eyes her husband's shape in mind look what an unthrift in the world doth spend shifts but his place for still the world enjoys it but beauty's waste hath in the world an end 
and kept unused the user so destroys it. No love toward others in that bosom sits, that on himself such murderous shame commits. End of chapter 9 Chapter 10 For shame deny that thou bearest love to any, who for thyself art so unprovident. Grant, if thou wilt, thou art beloved of many, but that thou none lovest is most evident. For thou art so possessed with murderous hate, that gainst thyself thou stick'st not to conspire, seeking that beauteous roof to ruinate, which to repair should be thy chief desire. O change thy thought, that I may change my mind. Shall hate be fairer lodged than gentle love? Be as thy presence is gracious and kind, or to thyself at least kind-hearted prove. Make thee another self for love of me, that beauty still may live in thine or thee. End of chapter 10. Chapter 11. As fast as thou shalt wane, so fast thou growest, in one of thine from that which thou departest, and that fresh blood which youngly thou bestowest, thou mayst call thine when thou from youth convertest. Herein lives wisdom, beauty, and increase. Without this folly, age, and cold decay, if all were minded so, the times should cease, and threescore year would make the world away. Let those whom nature hath not made for store, harsh, featureless, and rude, barrenly perish. Look whom she best endowed, she gave thee more, which bounteous gift thou shouldst in bounty cherish. She carved thee for her seal, and meant thereby, thou shouldst print more, not let that copy die. End of chapter 11. Chapter 12. When I do count the clock that tells the time, and see the brave day sunk in hideous night, when I behold the violet past prime, and sable curls all silvered o'er with white, when lofty trees I see barren of leaves, which erst from heat did canopy the herd, and summer's green all girded up in sheaves, borne on the bier with white and bristly beard, then of thy beauty do I question make, that thou among the wastes of time must go, since sweets and beauties do themselves forsake, and die as fast as they see others grow. And nothing gainst time's scythe can make defense, save breed to brave him when he takes thee hence. End of chapter 12. Chapter 13. O oh, that you were yourself, but love you are no longer yours, than you yourself here live, against this coming end you should prepare, and your sweet semblance to some other give. So should that beauty, which you hold in lease, find no determination, then you were yourself again after yourself's decease, when your sweet issue your sweet form should bear, who let so fair a house fall to decay, which husbandry and honor might uphold, against the stormy gusts of winter's day and barren rage of death's eternal cold? Oh, none but unthrifts, dear my love, you know. You had a father, let your son say so. End of chapter 13 Chapter 14 Not from the stars do I my judgment pluck, and yet methinks I have astronomy. But not to tell of good or evil luck, of plagues of dearths of season's quality, nor can I fortune to brief minutes tell, pointing to each his thunder, rain and wind, 
or say with princes if it shall go well by oft predict that i in heaven find but from thine eyes my knowledge i derive and constant stars in them i read such art as truth and beauty shall together thrive if from thyself to store thou wouldest convert or else of thee this i prognosticate thy end is truth's and beauty's doom and date end of chapter fourteen chapter fifteen when i consider everything that grows holds in perfection but a little moment that this huge stage presenteth naught but shows whereon the stars in secret influence comment when i perceive that men as plants increase cheered and checked even by the self-same sky vaunt in their youthful sap at height decrease and wear their brave state out of memory then the conceit of this inconstant stay sets you most rich in youth before my sight where wasteful time debateth with decay to change your day of youth to sullied night and all in war with time for love of you as he takes from you i engraft you new end of chapter fifteen chapter sixteen but wherefore do not you a mightier way make war upon this bloody tyrant time and fortify yourself in your decay with means more blessed than my barren rhyme now stand you on the top of happy hours and many maiden gardens yet unset with virtuous wish would bear you living flowers much liker than your painted counterfeit so should the lines of life that life repair which this time's pencil or my pupil pen neither in inward worth nor outward fare can make you live yourself in eyes of men to give away yourself keeps yourself still and you must live drawn by your own sweet skill end of chapter sixteen chapter seventeen who will believe my verse in time to come if it were filled with your most high deserts though yet heaven knows it is but as a tomb which hides your life and shows not half your parts if i could write the beauty of your eyes and in fresh numbers number all your graces the age to come would say this poet lies such heavenly touches ne'er touched earthly faces so should my papers yellowed with their age be scorned like old men of less truth than tongue and your true rights be termed a poet's rage and stretched metre of an antique song but were some child of yours alive that time you should live twice in it and in my rhyme end of chapter seventeen chapter eighteen shall i compare thee to a summer's day thou art more lovely and more temperate rough winds do shake the darling buds of may and summer's lease hath all too short a date Sometime too hot the eye of heaven shines, And often is his gold complexion dimmed, And every fair from fair sometimes declines, By chance or nature's changing course untrimmed. But thy eternal summer shall not fade, Nor lose possession of that fair thou owest, Nor shall death brag thou wanderest in his shade, When in eternal lines to time thou growest, So long as men can breathe or eyes can see, So long lives this, and this gives life to thee. End of chapter 18. Chapter 19. Devouring time, blunt thou the lion's paws, And make the earth devour her own sweet brood, 
pluck the keen teeth from the fierce tiger's jaws and burn the long-livid phoenix in her blood make glad and sorry seasons as thou fleets and do whate'er thou wilt swift-footed time to the wide world and all her fading sweets but i forbid thee one most heinous crime o carve not with thy hours my love's fair brow nor draw no lines therewith thine antique pen him in thy course untainted do allow for beauty's pattern to succeeding men yet do thy worst old time despite thy wrong my love shall in my verse ever live young end of chapter nineteen chapter twenty a woman's face with nature's own hand painted hast thou the master mistress of my passion a woman's gentle heart but not acquainted with shifting change as is false women's fashion an eye more bright than theirs less false and rolling gilding the object whereupon it gazeth a man in hue all hues in his controlling which steals men's eyes and women's souls amazeth and for a woman wert thou first created till nature as she wrought thee fell a-doting and by addition me of thee defeated by adding one thing to my purpose nothing but since she pricked thee out for women's pleasure mine be thy love and thy love's use their treasure End of chapter twenty chapter twenty one so is it not with me as with that muse stirred by a painted beauty to his verse who heaven itself for ornament doth use and every fair with his fair doth rehearse making a couplement of proud compare with sun and moon with earth and sea's rich gems with april's first-born flowers and all things rare that heaven's air in this huge rondure hems o oh, let me true in love but truly right and then believe me my love is as fair as any mother's child though not so bright as those gold candles fixed in heaven's air let them say more that like of hearsay well I will not praise that purpose not to sell. End of chapter 21 Chapter 22 My glass shall not persuade me I am old, so long as youth and thou are of one date. But when indeed time's furrows I behold, then look I death my days should expiate. For all that beauty that doth cover thee is but the seemly raiment of my heart which in thy breast doth live as thine in me how can i then be elder than thou art o oh, therefore love be of thyself so wary as i not for myself but for thee will bearing thy heart which i will keep so cherry as tender nurse her babe from faring ill presume not on thy heart when mine is slain thou gavest me thine not to give back again end of chapter twenty two Chapter twenty three. As an unperfect actor on the stage, who with his fear is put beside his part, or some fierce thing replete with too much rage, whose strength's abundance weakens his own heart, so I, for fear of trust, forget to say the perfect ceremony of love's right, and in mine own love's strength seem to decay, or charged with burthen of mine own love's might. O oh, let my looks be then the eloquence, And dumb presagers of my speaking breast, Who plead for love and look for recompense, More than that tongue that more hath more expressed. 
O oh, learn to read what silent love hath writ, To hear with eyes belongs to love's fine wit. End of chapter 23 Chapter 24 Mine eye hath played the painter, and hath stelled Thy beauty's form in table of my heart. My body is the frame wherein tis held, In perspective it is best painter's art. For through the painter must you see his skill, To find where your true image pictured lies, Which in my bosom's shop is hanging still, That hath his windows glazed with thine eyes. Now see what good turns eyes for eyes have done. Mine eyes have drawn thy shape, and thine for me Are windows to my breast, where through the sun delights to peep, to gaze therein on thee. Yet eyes this cunning want to grace their art, they draw but what they see, know not the heart. End of chapter 24 Chapter 25 Let those who are in favor with their stars, of public honor and proud titles, boast, whilst I whom fortune of such triumph bars, Unlooked for joy in that I honor most. Great princes' favorites, their fair leaves spread, But as the marigold that the sun's eye, And in themselves their pride lies buried, For at a frown they in their glory die. The painful warrior famous for fight, After a thousand victories once foiled, Is from the book of honor raised quite, And all the rest forgot for which he toiled. Then happy I that love and am beloved, Where I may not remove, nor be removed. End of chapter 25